This is Linder Lindblad, CTO of the Forever Social. This, I believe, will be my last words. Whoa, what happens next is not pretty. Forever Has Fallen is a podcast thriller drawing you into heart racing action, fusing an immersive soundscape with online challenges, rewards, and hidden content. Humanity's hope for immortality is on the run. Join the hunt for the truth. Foreverisfallen.com. Stay up to date on the latest from Heidi Ellen's story. Make sure you subscribe, download, follow, and rate Peoples for the People on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to your podcasts. It was April 3rd, 1994, a snowy Easter Sunday just before 8 in the morning when Heidi made her last transaction at the D&W convenience store in Mexico where she worked and then disappeared. Well, the big question remains tonight, where is Heidi Allen? They said they grabbed her from behind the counter and dragged her out the door and threw her in the back of Michael Bohr's van. I didn't know Michael Bohr had a white van. Well, it's not even, they didn't even bring her in the house. They didn't send the van. What do you think happened to Heidi? What was done with her body? He laid down in two areas, which was a sign. It's an indication that there were human remains. All I know is they ended up chopping her up. If they would have put that van on my trailer and Heidi would have been in that van, that's where it would have went, right to the shredder. I've been in this from day one. Is, you know, there's nothing else I can say. This is the story of Heidi Allen, the story of a small-town kidnapping where corruption got in the way of justice. The truth is finally coming out. In the last episode, we heard that Gary Thibodeau's new defense attorney, Lisa Peebles, found information indicating that Heidi Allen was a confidential drug informant for the Oswego County Sheriff's. And um, I started thumbing through some of the reports, and I noticed that there was a reference to Heidi Allen being an informant, and that her index card and file had been dropped in the parking lot of the DNW. We also heard Oswego County District Attorney Greg Oakes say that the police were doing their best to bring Heidi home, and that they were not hiding anything. I have absolute confidence and faith in the Sheriff's Department to fully investigate this case. There's been innuendo that the Sheriff's Department's engaged in a cover-up. What I could say is, Mo Todd was not Sheriff 20 years ago when this case occurred. He wasn't Sheriff when this case was prosecuted. Mo Todd may not have been Sheriff at the time of the abduction, or at the time Gary Thibodeau was convicted, but he was the undersheriff in charge of the entire investigation. And, turns out, that police had been denying and covering up Heidi's role as a confidential drug informant since the day she was abducted. This is Peebles for the People, and I'm Alex Peebles. I don't know what the world's been missing, but I think we need a miracle. I'm You might remember, way back towards the beginning of this story, hearing about a 1994 Syracuse Post-Standard story that said Heidi Allen may have been a confidential drug informant for the Oswego County Sheriffs. 
That story was written after a report from Sergeant Roy Lordy indicated that Heidi was used as a confidential drug informant by the sheriff's office. You might also remember hearing from Gary Thibodeau's trial attorney, Joe Fahey, who said he demanded her informant file be turned over to the defense. Well, that file was never turned over, according to Joe Fahey, and police claimed there never was a file because she was never an informant. Well, I think I, I was pretty confident that material was being held back. Um, and, 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 I mean, two, two things uh, that I, it became pretty clear of. One, number one, that, you know, material was, material was being held back. And then, by the same token, they were dumping tons and tons and tons of meaningless police reports and information. Sergeant Lordy's report about Heidi Allen being a confidential drug informant for the sheriff's office was written on April 27, 1994, three weeks after Heidi went missing. In the report, Sergeant Lordy is referred to as Ryder. Quote, Between 8 a.m. and 8.30 a.m., Ryder was at home, off-duty, and overheard a transmission over the scanner from the Oswego County Sheriff's Dispatch requesting investigators to the DNW convenience store at New York 104 and Route 104B in the town of New Haven, and all other patrols to search the area roads for a white female named Heidi Allen. Ryder recognized Heidi Allen as a confidential informant who had worked with the ACT team when Ryder had charge of it in 1991 and 1992. Ryder contacted dispatch and learned that Lieutenant Goodsell had requested assistance and learned that Heidi may have been abducted. Ryder signed on at 8 a.m. and started toward the scene. While en route, Ryder contacted Lieutenant Goodsell by cell phone. Ryder was asked to report to the lieutenant's office to pick up the video equipment and cell phones to bring to the scene. At the office, Ryder informed Undersheriff Rural A. Todd of the connection with Allen, that the CI file should be locked up in investigator Ralph Scruton's drug file. The file would include names of dealers that Allen would have been involved with. Under Sheriff Todd requested investigator Scruton called in. Writers started to the scene with the equipment requested by Lieutenant Goodsell. At the scene, Ryder met with Lieutenant Goodsell and Sheriff Nellis. Ryder was assigned with Deputy Van Patten to search a mobile home under reconstruction across the street on the east side of Route 104. There was no sign of Allen. Ryder and Van Patten returned to the store and were informed that Investigator Scruton could not locate CI file for Allen. Van Patten was Allen's contact with ACT team, so Ryder asked Van Patten if he turned the file over to Investigator Scruton. He did not recall Allen as a CI in 1991 until Ryder reminded him. Van Patten then called the office and had someone check his mailbox. The file was located and relayed to the crime scene. End quote. So the day that the police responded to Heidi's abduction, they acknowledged her as a confidential drug informant, or CI for short. But somehow, it didn't register with Deputy Chris Van Patten that the girl who was missing was a CI who reported directly to him. What's even more questionable is the fact that a report signed by Deputy Van Patten 
dated December 9, 1994, details how Heidi Allen began working secretly with the police and that Van Patten accidentally compromised Heidi's identity as an undercover agent. According to this report, in 1991, Heidi's uncle, town judge Russell Sturtz, approached Van Patten regarding Heidi's knowledge of illegal drug trafficking in Oswego County. Heidi was born in 1975. That would have made her a drug informant for police when she was just 15 years old. Listen to Heidi's aunt, Martha Sturtz, tell investigators in 2015 just how Heidi began her role as a CI for police. Heidi started babysitting for Melissa. Okay. Melissa had the baby, she wasn't married, you know, she lived at a family camp down at the lake, and so Heidi would babysit for her. And then, you know, she wouldn't come home, she was out to the bars or whatever, she wouldn't come home, so then Heidi would spend the night when she did come home, you know, and so what happens, Heidi got, so she was staying there instead of coming home and got in with the whole group and there's my sister, who's passed away now, but um, got called to Pleasant Point. The cops showed up at a party they had down there. It was before there was any places down there. They were having a booze party. And she got called because the cops came, and Heidi was only 15, and had the baby that she was watching in the car asleep, you know. So my sister went and got it. And so that's how my husband got involved, is that she was at these parties. and so that she wouldn't get in trouble, he contacted her, well, you know all of that part, you know, contacted somebody and talked to her about doing her pins and, you know, if she gave them information, they wouldn't charge her, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Um, that's how that all came about. And then they um, did like a pins where she had to stay at home and it wasn't working out. My sister and, her, you know, it just was like, she said she was like she was in jail. So my older sister who lived with my mother, said let her come and stay with us. Because, you know, my mother's there all the time. And then my sister would keep track of her and, you know, all that stuff. So they did that. Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, everybody said, oh, she moved over there to help take care of my mother, you know, who was sick. But no. it wasn't. Right. It was to release the tension on the home life. She still could go home, but, you know, my sister was watching her. And so all of that... We kind of kept all of that hidden because it was all connected to Melissa and the drug stuff. I called Martha Sturtz, and if what you just heard didn't make it clear, listen to her admit that she and her family tried to keep Heidi's role as an informant a secret. Did it bother you that, that over the years you all kept the secret of Heidi being a confidential informant um, and she had never been found? Yeah, she never was used as a confidential informant. I mean, that was, that was just what she, you know, they said about her high school friends and that she was going to be able to do something, but it never came to be. So, so well, here's something that I... I no, I was keeping it private. No, didn't have anything to do with any of the, change the outcome over the years. It's important to mention that in the middle of the conversation, Martha said that she couldn't be quoted on this, but I never agreed to that. And what she says is too important to leave out. Also, from the start of the conversation, I was very clear about who I was and my intentions. Hi, Martha. My name is Alex Peebles. I am uh, a journalist doing a podcast about the kidnapping of Heidi Allen. And I just wanted to reach out to see if 
uh, you, you'd be willing to talk to me. I found a recording of you talking to police in September of 2015. Ah, uh, yes, the one I didn't know about, yes. Listen to what Martha says in the middle of the conversation. So... You can't quote me on any of this, so, yeah. Uh, so, like I said, I'm not a spokesperson for the family. You know, that was not the case at all. Martha Sturtz was downplaying Heidi's cooperation with police. But would they have known her as a confidential drug informant before then? Uh, no, probably not. I mean, nobody really did, you know. We knew she signed up, but she didn't do anything for it. You know what I mean? It was just... But the reports written by police seemed to paint a different picture. And the fact that Heidi was working with police giving them information about who was selling drugs in the community presents a possible motive to her kidnapping. What if someone found out that Heidi was an undercover agent with police and was trying to silence her? In the report written by Deputy Van Patten, he refers to himself as reporter. Quote, this reporter took a picture of Heidi and completed a 3x5 index card containing her information about her address and other personal information. At an unknown time, this reporter used that phone at the DNW store located at the intersection of State Route 104 and 104B. During this time frame, unknown to this reporter, I dropped the 3x5 index card and photo of Heidi. While off duty, this reporter received a phone call from Deputy Montgomery advising this reporter that the paperwork regarding Heidi was turned over to him by an employee at the DNW store. Patrol advised Montgomery to place the paperwork in my mailbox. This reporter never used any information or Heidi as a confidential informant in any criminal case. End quote. Van Patten exposed Heidi's identity as a confidential drug informant when she was a teenager. Who knows how many people saw that index card or how many people heard about Heidi's involvement with police as an informant. Besides the fact that the Oswego County Sheriff's Office exposed the identity of a teenage drug informant, the date this report was written is very significant. This report was stamped December 9, 1994. That is just six days after Fahey specifically asked at a pretrial hearing about Heidi being a drug informant, a question that the assistant district attorney, Donald Dodd, never answered. Just listen to Dodd's response in court that day. Quote, It appears oftentimes, the first time I hear something is when I read it in the paper. And in that regard, Judge, that will create an issue I wish to address when we are through with this particular motion, Your Honor. End quote. Dodd didn't even come close to addressing the concerns raised by Fahey. The exchange ended with the judge telling Dodd to look into it. Fahey said that nothing about Heidi being a drug informant was ever turned over as he prepared to defend Gary Thibodeau. In 2014, Fahey gave a sworn statement about the confidential informant reports that surfaced. Quote, On July 24, 2014, I was contacted by defense counsel for Gary Thibodeau and asked whether I had ever seen a series of reports from the Oswego County Sheriff's Office detailing information about Heidi Allen acting 
as a confidential informant. I can state without hesitation that those documents were never disclosed to me as Gary Thibodeau's trial counsel, and that I first learned about any information regarding Heidi Allen acting as a confidential informant on July 24, 2014, end quote. It turns out there were at least five reports regarding Heidi's work as a confidential drug informant between April 27, 1994 and May 16, 1995. Fahey would later testify that Heidi's CI file was never turned over to the defense and that the sheriff's department claimed Heidi was never an informant. Question. Looking at that article, is there an indication as to whether or not Heidi Allen was an informant? Answer. The department denied that she was an informant and merely discussed an unrelated drug case with investigator two years before the disappearance. Fahey went on to say that at that time, he had no reason to believe that anything was going to be held back from the defense. Quote, well, when somebody says they're going to give you the entire file, you assume it's everything. So I believed that we were getting everything that was generated in the course of this investigation up through that point. End quote. According to Fahey's testimony, Dodd wrote a six-page letter memorializing everything that was turned over to the defense. But what Fahey had specifically asked for on the record in December of 1994 was not included in Dodd's letter. Question. Is there anything listed in Mr. Dodd's letter which referred to Heidi Allen as an informant? Answer. No. Not only did Fahey say on the stand that there was no mention of Heidi being a CI in Dodd's six-page letter, he also said he is certain that he never saw Heidi's confidential informant file. Question. You can answer the question. Answer. Yes. There is a document attached to it that has a photograph of Heidi Allen, code name, and would appear to be a right thumbprint and a left thumbprint. Question. Had you ever seen those documents while you were representing Gary Thibodeau? Answer. No. Question. How do you know? How can you be sure? Answer. Because I would have remembered certainly the code name and the photograph and the thumbprints. Question. Have you ever seen a confidential informant card? Answer. No. You've already downloaded the puzzle game Best Fiends, right? If you haven't yet, what are you waiting for? Best Fiends is the game I play after a really long day. It helps me relax and wind down while still keeping my mind engaged by solving puzzles and exploring new worlds. What's really cool is I can play anywhere. No matter where I am, I can just pull my phone out and start playing. No Wi-Fi or bandwidth is needed. I just got past the boss at level 55. Let me tell you, exploring the icy peaks is a fun challenge, and I just unlocked a new character. What a great feeling. Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this 5-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends.
When the New Yorker magazine asked Mark Zuckerberg how he gets his news, he said the one news source he definitely follows is TechMeme. For more than two years and nearly 700 episodes, the TechMeme Ride Home has been Silicon Valley's favorite tech news podcast. The TechMeme Ride Home is a daily podcast only 15 to 20 minutes long, and every day by 5 p.m. Eastern, it's all the latest tech news. But it's more than just the headlines. You could get a robot to read you headlines. The TechMeme Ride Home is all the context around the latest news of the day. It's all the top stories, the top posts and tweets, and conversations about those stories, as well as behind-the-scenes analysis. The TechMeme Ride Home is like the TLDR as a service. The folks at TechMeme are online all day, reading everything so they can catch you up. So listen to the one podcast anyone who's anyone in Silicon Valley listens to every single day. Search your podcast app now for Ride Home and subscribe to the TechMeme Ride Home podcast. I like true crime, so I decided to make a true crime podcast where I cover true crime stories year by year. And I hate true crime, so I decided to beef up my wife's true crime podcast by telling people what was on TV during each one of those murders or who was winning that wrestling match during that awful rape. The result is American Timelines, where we cover strange, fascinating happenings. And sometimes silly stories and even birthdays. Didn't you always wonder when Don Cheadle was born? No. Didn't you at least wonder what the number one song was when Don Cheadle was born? No. Well, what did you want to know? Just about murder. Sweet, sweet, grisly murder. Well, sometimes you talk about UFOs or ghost stories, too. Yes, those are cool, too. And who hasn't wondered what episode of 227 was on during a haunting? Everyone. Download and subscribe to American Timelines by History for Jerks. You can hear it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. It's better than it sounds. It really is. American Timelines by History for Jerks, the greatest podcast ever. The entire investigation into Heidi's abduction was based on the fact that there was no motive for anyone to kidnap her. But that simply wasn't true. The fact that Heidi Allen was a confidential drug informant and that her identity was exposed to the public shows that there could have been a very clear motive for her kidnapping. And according to Fahey's sworn statement, that information would have been enough to change the outcome of Gary Thibodeau's trial. Quote, There is no question that this information would have proved critical to the defense of Gary Thibodeau. As his attorney, I could not provide a motive for Heidi Allen's abduction, and the prosecution could offer no motive for Gary Thibodeau. The jailhouse informants, however, testified that Allen was upset with Gary Thibodeau because she believed that he was going to screw her in a drug deal. The fact that Heidi Allen was a confidential informant would have clearly undermined these claims and would have without question provided an alternative theory surrounding her abduction, particularly since her status as an informant was not kept confidential and was known by members of the public. End quote. In an affidavit provided by Dodd in 2014, he claimed that Fahey was able to personally inspect all of the Oswego County Sheriff's investigation reports on December 14, 1994 and on March 14, 1995. If that was true, then why was nothing about Heidi being a confidential drug informant ever mentioned in Gary Thibodeau's trial? 
According to date stamps on a report by Deputy Nicholas Kleist, Heidi's confidential informant file was found in bulk storage on May 16, 1995, and given to the district attorney's office on the same day. That report had another date stamp on it of May 23, 1995. That's the day that the report was given back to the Oswego County Sheriff's Office, a day after Gary Thibodeau's trial began. Lisa Peebles found that report in Richard Thibodeau's files in 2014. When I found what, what I'm referring to as the Kleist report in Bill Walsh's trial file, I noticed that there were two date stamps on the document. One was May 16th of 1995, and the other was May 23rd of 1995, which established that at some point after May 23rd, 1995, Bill Walsh got that document. So I asked Randy when Gary's trial started, and she said sometime in May. So we looked it up, and it was May 22nd of 1995, which would show that Gary, if Joe Fahey received that document, he would have gotten it during Gary's trial. And the document logged all the evidence of Heidi being an informant, her file, her it, it included her the index card, the photograph, uh, names and numbers of people that she was providing to sheriff's deputies. Um, it was essentially her CI file that was found in bulk storage. So the document itemized everything that they found. It was Kleist that found this, Kleist and Yurden who discovered this in bulk storage. So the point is, this was something that Joe Fahey had asked for on the record back in December when they were arguing the motion in 1994. And Dodd acted as though he didn't know anything about Heidi being a CI and the first time he learned about it was by reading the newspaper. So if Joe Fahey would have gotten Heidi's CI file during Gary's trial, there would have been a mention of that on the record. That means Gary's jury never knew about Heidi's secret life as an informant and the potential it presented for the first time, a motive. Even worse, the jurors knew nothing of the explosive evidence that Van Patten accidentally exposed Heidi to the public as an informant in 1992. It seemed as though no one cared that as a teenager, Heidi's undercover identity was compromised by the very people who swore an oath to protect and serve. Don't you think the fact that her confidential informant card with her personal information on it being dropped in the D&W convenience store parking lot was um, could have exposed her identity to people like Michael Bohr? No, they already have known her, you know, at the store. But would they have... But would they have known her as a confidential drug informant before then? Uh, no, probably not. I mean, nobody really did. You know, we knew she signed up, but she didn't do anything for it. You know what I mean? It was just... Having that card be exposed, couldn't that cause a dangerous situation for her? Yeah, it could have, I suppose. But that's, yeah, I mean... It could have, you know, but what good would it have done? Why would it have put her in any kind of a danger? You know what I mean? Because, um, you know what I mean? 
mean? What 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 would she have done? You know what I mean? What would it have done? You know? Why would the kidnapping and killing her change anything that she would have done? It, so, well, if someone was was selling drugs and knew Heidi, um, and then found out that she was a drug informant, regardless of her involvement uh, and what she was reporting on, that could create fear for that person, and that would give him motive. I would him or her motive to try and silence that confidential informant, right? Nah, it's, so I think you watch much TV. I mean, it wasn't anything that big of a deal that the police didn't know about, you know, all the people anyway. So, I mean, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't like that. But So, what do you, what do, what do you think ha- happened? I don't think it had anything to do with that at all, to be honest. So, so Martha Sturtz, Heidi's own aunt, finds it hard to believe that Heidi's identity being exposed as a C.I., had anything to do with her disappearance. But when I asked her, Martha seemed to believe that despite the fact that there was no evidence whatsoever, Gary Thibodeau, who had an alibi, kidnapped and presumably killed Heidi for no apparent reason. Do you think that Gary Thibodeau was involved in her kidnapping? Oh, yeah. Well, Then why didn't Richard Thibodeau get convicted? Why didn't he? Yeah. Uh, because they had too many teachers on his jury. They had too many That's teachers on they, his jury? Yeah, they, yep, yep. They, yeah. That was it. They had somebody, they used a blackboard, and, you know, they had, we, we found out after, you know, um, that they said, oh, they couldn't possibly have done this, and blah, blah, blah. And there was a teacher, I'm like, yeah, I could see that happen. So, yep. But... What about the fact that there was no physical or forensic evidence linking Gary to the crime, and there was no eyewitnesses linking him to the crime either? Does that bring up any concern for you? No, no, no. You just. I mean, I, yeah, I'm. I'm totally satisfied with you know what happened. So I, you know, talking to the wrong person. In a report prepared by Deputy Montgomery. On December 8, 1994, he details the retrieval of Heidi's informant information after Van Patten lost it in the parking lot of the D&W convenience store. Quote, Back in late 1991 or early 1992, while on routine patrol, this writer stopped at the D&W convenience store and was asked about an index card and a photo that had been found in the parking lot at the store. Patrol was given the items. One was a Polaroid photo of Heidi Allen. The other was a 3x5 index card with Heidi's name, address, and phone number on it, and a code word that I can't remember. It also had Deputy Van Patten's name on it. Upon contact with Deputy Van Patten, he stated to leave it in his mailbox. Upon return to OCSD, I left the photo and card in Deputy Van Patten's mailbox, and this was the last I saw of them. End quote. The code word Montgomery was referring to was Heidi's code name, which according to the index card, was Julia Roberts. If Heidi wasn't a confidential drug informant, why would police feel the need to create a code name for her? 
The plain fact of the matter is, the identity of a teenage drug informant was exposed by the Oswego County Sheriffs, and when Heidi went missing, they swept all information of her being a confidential informant under the rug. And despite what District Attorney Greg Oakes said, there was a cover-up. When asked about Heidi's cooperation as a drug informant, Sheriff Todd said they never used any information provided by Heidi. Regardless of what information was or wasn't used, the fact that there was a file about Heidi being an informant and that her identity had been exposed is enough to put Heidi, a teenager, in serious danger. And according to the DJ at Champ's Bar in Hastings, New York, Brian Mensch, Van Patten talked about using information provided by someone who appeared to be Heidi for a big drug bust. You know, if they're going to look into me, they better be looking into the other people that had, you know, shit going on with, with that case at the time. And it was, um, and I told her, you know, Chris Van Patten was one, I was, and I was wondering, I said that to her today, I was wondering, I just don't understand why he hasn't been called yet. When I was DJing at Champs Corners, it's how long it goes back, because it was Champs Corners, yeah. um, he came in one time and told me that he was doing an undercover drug operation, sting up, undercover drug sting in there. And uh, we in, got- At Champs? Yeah, at Champs. Oh. Him and his, everybody knows Chris was a cop, and him and three of his buddies walked in, you know, I mean, it's a redneck bar in here, you got three yeah. guys dressed like you walking around the bar. Uh, Are you guys gonna, you know, you know what I mean? So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was still Leo at the time. Yeah, yeah, this was like, um, shit, '93, yeah, '93, '94 at the latest. You know what I mean? I got out of the military in '91, August of '91. So it was in in between. It was, oh, excuse me, I can't even say it was past the Heidi Allen abduction. It was sometime before the abduction until right. from 91 until then. And that's the time frame. Basically, what I was, and the only thing I had heard is that he told me my, myself, which I thought was odd from the day one, that but I was good friends with him. So, you know, it was chit, idle chit chat, but he had told me that they had a girl from New Haven that was a CI that they were using in there and they were getting ready to do a big bust over there. And then wham, the Heidi Allen thing comes down. So besides the fact that Van Patten dropped Heidi's confidential informant card with all of her personal information on it in the parking lot of the D&W convenience store, he was also openly discussing a case in which he was using a girl from the very small town of New Haven as a confidential informant. A town where less than 3,000 people lived. A town where everyone seemed to know everyone. And the claim by Sheriff Todd and Martha Sturtz that Heidi was never used as a drug informant is disputed by at least four people. A former co-worker and friend of Heidi's, Rhonda Burr, said in a sworn statement in September of 2015 that Heidi was actively working as a drug informant for police. Quote, Heidi told me that she was actively working as an informant in that she would attend various parties and report back to her contact at the sheriff's department concerning underage drinking and marijuana dealing. Not long before she was abducted, Heidi told me the sheriff's department wanted her to nail people for coke dealing, and she was afraid. Specifically, Heidi told me that she did not want to get involved with the coke people because she either was going to have to use coke herself or she was afraid she would have to. I can't recall exactly what she told me regarding her reluctance. 
I recall telling Heidi to get out of that crowd and stop informing because I thought it was too dangerous for her. End quote. Burr's recollection was corroborated by Heidi's boyfriend, Brett Law, in an interview with police on September 8, 2015. The audio in this clip isn't great, but you can hear Law telling police that Heidi used to tell him about informing and that there were dangerous people that she was informing on. I'm envisioning him living down there in a one-story brown house at the time. When, I remember her saying something about, you wouldn't want to mess with that guy. He's, you know, he's in trouble. He'll screw someone up or something. I remember Heidi saying something about this guy who had been in our jail. He was a cokehead. Someone turned him in, and she had said that that, that person was going to be in trouble or something. Basically threatening Heidi that. And another co-worker of Heidi's, Jennifer Rattan, told John O'Brien she remembers Heidi going out to talk to police in the middle of her shifts. But, but she, you'd see her go to the police car, the oh, patrol yeah. car, and she, would she get in or would she talk to... No, she just would casually talk. But the, the guy was, the yeah, officer was in the I car? I don't yeah. know who's out, you know what yeah. I mean? Like she would just go out and the, the store would be still running because mm-hmm. I'd be waiting on customers. On top of all that, another friend of Heidi's Mary Parmley told John O'Brien in an interview that Heidi also told her she was an informant for police. Parmley also happened to be the niece of Sheriff Mo Todd, and she was surprised that Heidi's status as an informant never came out after she was abducted. Yeah, because I, I was shocked that nobody, like, this didn't come out in the public because I know I wasn't the only person that Heidi told us. But it never was in the news or anything like that, which I felt, and I went to, I think I went to Mo, my Uncle Mo at the time, um, Todd. So, um, I don't know if they kept it under wraps or, you know, that was, I, I, I never understood that I was really surprised, but, um. Well, the answer to that was yes. The police and Donald Dodd were keeping that under wraps. And they had a reason to. If it came out that a teenage drug informant was kidnapped after her identity was exposed by the sheriff's office, that would demonstrate an astonishing level of incompetence. And it wouldn't be a leap to say that the sheriff's office would bear some responsibility for her abduction. And back in 1994, when rumors began coming out about Heidi's undercover reporting, undersheriff at the time, Mo Todd, and Sheriff's Lieutenant Dean Goodsell told the Syracuse Post-Standard that Heidi was never an informant. Quote, Sheriff's Lieutenant Dean Goodsell and Todd said Tuesday that there is no informant file because Allen was not really an informant. End quote. Listen to Mary Parmley telling John O'Brien that she believes Heidi being a drug informant was the real reason she was abducted. This makes sense, and... and to to me, um, it did. Well, she was she had put herself in a dangerous situation, and then she just disappeared. You know what I mean? You don't kidnap a six foot strong athletic woman unless you have a purpose to do that. So, what makes more sense? Heidi was randomly abducted one day by two brothers who had no motive one of whom was acquitted of her kidnapping, or that Heidi was abducted by someone who was scared of being busted 
for drugs after her identity as a confidential drug informant was exposed by police. We already know that Michael Bohr, James Steen, and Roger Breckenridge were wrapped up in drugs. Martha Sturtz even told me that Bohr was likely selling drugs out of his shop that he opened across the street from the Heidi Allen Center. And you also say that you knew Michael Bohr was selling drugs out of his shop. So did you draw a connection when Heidi went missing to her informing um, with the police to Michael Bohr selling drugs? No, she wouldn't have had any of that knowledge. But, I never made a connection with that. Uh, so. But then how did you come to the connection that he might have been involved? The Heidi, the Heidi Allen Center was across the street. The trailer that we set up was across the street from Michael Bohr's fix-it shop. And so. during that, during the entire search, you said you were able to, you actually saw people going in and out of there with drugs? <laughs> no. Um, my sister actually, my oldest sister was um, in charge of the Heidi Center, and she used to say, my God, that guy with that fixed shop must be good because they go in all the time with these toaster ovens and things in bags, and they come out, and not in there hardly any time at all. And we just kind of laughed because, you know, he wasn't obviously fixing things. <laughs> what, you know what, I mean? so, what, yeah. what was he doing if he wasn't fixing things? Well, we just assumed that, you know, he was doing drug stuff. Okay. Just because, again, my husband was a town judge, so he had a little more info on, you know, what was going around town. So. Gary Thibodeau had been behind bars for nearly 20 years when his attorney, Lisa Peebles, discovered Heidi's drug informant file. Two decades in prison, and Thibodeau maintained his innocence, not once wavering. I've been innocent from day one, as you know, there's nothing else I can say. Over the years, Thibodeau has grown tired of repeated questions from reporters asking, did you kidnap Heidi? Why does that make you mad when people ask that question? It is, it's, it's so freaking rhetorical and ridiculous. You all know God well had nothing to do with this. How are you doing on hope these days? On the what? Hope. Hope? Huh. Funny word. Finding Heidi's informant file was enough to take his fight to court once more, enough to give Gary Thibodeau and his family hope for his future after what seemed like a lifetime of unanswered questions. Lisa Peebles and Randy Bianco were ready to take on what would become the biggest fight of their careers. After finding Heidi's informant file, Lisa Peebles filed a motion in county court asking to set aside Gary's conviction. Judge Daniel King granted a hearing to determine if Gary Thibodeau should get a new trial. The hearing was scheduled for January 12, 2015, a Monday. But on Friday, January 9th at 4.45 p.m., less than 72 hours before the hearing, Oswego County District Attorney Greg Oakes sent Gary's defense team in a spiral by dumping 3,000 reports 18 hours of audio recordings, and 8 hours of video, all including important information about Heidi's kidnapping that the defense never had access to. Lisa Peebles was enraged and ready to lose it while addressing this misconduct in front of a packed courtroom. When he came back with that box, my jaw dropped. 
my jaw dropped. I, I was dumped on on Friday. So to sit here, it was completely calculated for me to want to request an adjournment of this case. There is no question in my mind. And thank God I had the resources and the great people in my office. And those slides are for me when I'm standing up there and I'm trying to see when I'm asking questions to the witness. So despite what Mr. Oaks says that I'm attempting to poison the media with the exhibits that I'm introducing, which by the way would be public record anyway, is ridiculous. As far as the integrity of this investigation, I sat in that room yesterday with Mr. Oaks and he told me that he questioned the integrity of the Sheriff's Department, that he had questions with regard to the lead investigator assigned to this case, that is Investigator Petrosky. He sat there and told me that he was questioning his integrity with regard to this investigation. He invited us after I said I wouldn't adjourn, I wouldn't want to adjourn it. It would take forever for the Attorney General's office to come in and look at these documents. And do I want to see what's in there? Absolutely. The reason he did it is because he said there was sloppy paperwork. There were lead numbers that weren't in the right order. There were documents that didn't have leads attached to it. He said it was misnumbered. And that's my problem. Now it's my responsibility to pull out my Brady material. I would have happily done that a year ago, but I wasn't invited in the office. Now at the 11th hour, I'm supposed to dig through these boxes and it's my responsibility. It's ridiculous. Buried amongst thousands of reports in that dump of information, laid a signed affidavit by an eyewitness who said he saw James Thumperstein at the DNW convenience store on April 3rd, 1994, kidnapping Heidi Allen. Would this eyewitness be the key for Gary's quest for a new trial? Would this new witness be the key to bringing Heidi home? Find out on the next episode of Peebles for the People. That free man go. Lord, won't you let that free man go? Lord, won't you let that free man go? Lord, won't you let that free man go? Stay up to date on Heidi Allen's story by following and subscribing to Peoples for the People on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to your podcasts.